Uh, I'm honored and grateful to be with you all today. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, at some point, my daughter's going to raise her hand and tell me that I need to hustle on through the talk. Um, I was really nervous about being here. I always get nervous before I speak, even though I, I talk a lot, and it's my very favorite thing to do is just talk. But uh, I asked her to pray with me before, and she said, Dad, you don't need to be nervous. The only thing you like more than talking is talking about yourself. <laughs> and there's something about your family that just knows the truth. Um, uh, I was ordained a priest 21 years ago at, in St. Philip's Sanctuary. The very first sermon I preached as an ordained deacon after graduating from seminary uh, was in that pulpit. Uh, my daughter Mims just started working here, and her office is two doors down from where my office was, and uh, it's God is good. Um, I realized this morning that this talk that I'm going to be giving y'all is the talk that Justin and I are going to be called to give over and over and over again for the next five years, ten years, uh, and this is the first one, and, and that's part of the reason that I'm nervous but uh, someone said to me this morning, uh, it's nice to be able to give the opening one with a home court advantage and around family. And as I look out there, uh, there are lots of familiar faces and there are lots of people who for a long time, seven years, 15 years ago, uh, loved Ken Weldon and loved my wife Boo and loved our daughters. And so uh, uh, y'all are family and uh, it's good. It's good. Um, uh, as Caroline said, I'm married to Boo, uh, and we have two daughters, Mims, who is 22, who recently graduated from Wofford and is working here at St. Phillips. Our older daughter, Maddie, is 25 and lives in Macon, Georgia, where she works for Mercer in their admissions office, coordinating events. Uh, she just got married in late September at St. John's in Florence, where I served for 15 years after leaving St. Phillips in 2008, uh, and uh, she married her uh, Camp St. Christopher Crush. Uh, they met when they were in the seventh grade at Camp St. Christopher and flirted with each other off and on for years and years and years, dated each other off and on for years and years and years, and, uh, uh, and, and, and she is married to Trad Zanin, and he is uh, a good man uh, who we love very much, and uh, uh, he loves the Lord, and, and he loves our daughter, Maddie. And the only faults that I really have with my son-in-law. I've been a father-in-law for about two months now, so I know <laughs> all of them. If you need to know, I know. But the only real faults that I can I have with my son-in-law is that, number one, he is a Clemson graduate. <laughs> and then number two uh, is his decision to marry our older daughter, who is about one-third crazy about 10% of the time. <laughs> and that comes from a man who has spent his entire adult life living with three women, um, and he realized about the fourth day of my marriage that I was outnumbered already with just Boo. Um, but uh, seriously, Boo and I are proud parents. Our, our girls give us great joy and happiness uh, in our lives. Um, Boo and I have been married for 30 years. Uh, she is a pediatric nurse, and she is an unbelievable nurse. Uh, she is an exceptional mom. And she is an uh, unimaginable uh, wife and partner and my very best friend in the world. Um, uh, I, I outkicked my coverage um, on that one. Uh, Boo and I met at Camp St. Christopher when I was 15 years old. Um, she was 17 years old 
and I had a crush on her. And the first memory I have of Boo is we were running around on the athletic field and in and, and shorts uh, doing rec field games. I had just finished my uh, freshman year in, in high school, and she had just finished her junior year in high school. And I had target lock, and I was like, that one is cute. And, um, and so I spent the better part of that session flirting with her. Uh, she was 17 years old, and the way I tell the story is that she didn't give me the time of day. She was polite and nice. She didn't give me the time of day, but she did give me her name tag from Camp St. Christopher. And I took that name tag home and I put it in a shoebox, and I wore it on the inside of my dinner jacket when I married her some years later. Um, yeah, that always gets thawed. Moose just said, come on, you're getting a truck with cheap points. All this to say uh, that there is no place on this planet, there is no place on this planet that I, Ken Weldon, love more than Camp St. Christopher on Super College. Uh, I have wanted to be the executive director of Camp St. Christopher since I was 10 years old. When my parents picked me up from camp, I said, I want to live there and be the boss of that at age 10. Um, and I got to do that for about 45 minutes. Um, I really did. Anyway, I'm honored to be with you today. What we're going to do today is Justin and I are going to talk to you, and, and, and Caroline asked me to come and just tell a story. So this isn't a sermon. This isn't a homily. This isn't a talk with all these things. I'm just going to tell you the story. And the story of Camp St. Christopher, to me, is deeply personal. And I can't tell the story of Camp St. Christopher without saying that my daughter met her husband there, that I met my wife there, that my son-in-law proposed to my daughter sitting on the boardwalk 37 feet away from where I proposed to my wife sitting on the boardwalk. Um, I love that place. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to tell you all what happened as best as I can, and I'm going to get some details wrong, but I'm going to tell you what happened. And then I'm going to turn it over to Justin for a few minutes, and Justin is going to tell you what is currently happening with the summer camp ministry in the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina. And then I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next after that. So we're going to tell you what happened, we're going to tell you what is happening, and we're going to tell you what is going to happen. Uh, so I have been a part of the ministry of Camp St. Christopher for 45 years, starting at age 10. I've been a camper, I've been a counselor, I was a summer staff member for five summers, I was the assistant director for one summer. I worked on Barrier Island staff uh, in the middle of my college years when Sewanee gave me a, a, a sanctioned sabbatical against my will, is how I phrase that. Um, in the popular vernacular, uh, I got kicked out of Sewanee. Um, and so I worked down there on Barrier Island staff and, and, and for the maintenance staff. I worked on the maintenance staff and most recently, I was called to be uh, the executive director. Um, in February of uh, this, golly, this year, in February of this year, it seems like 100 years ago, uh, Bishop Lawrence appointed me to be the executive director uh, upon uh, Bob Lawrence's retirement. Bob was a good, is a good and faithful servant and steered 
Camp St. Christopher through some great times, and it was one of just a handful of summer camps that even survived COVID. Lots of camps were closing and shutting the doors, doing things, and, uh, and, and Bob was amazing. Um, so I got appointed by the bishop on in February. Uh, a couple months later, that was just between the bishop and me and our family and stuff. A couple months later, I shared with St. John's that I would be leaving there as rector, where I'd served for 15 years. Uh, and so I, on Wednesday after Easter, April the 20th, the Wednesday after Easter, uh, I was in Fort Mill, my parents' town, my hometown where I grew up, getting my dad situated in an assisted living facility. He has uh, Alzheimer's. And I was getting him situated. We were on spring break, and Boo and our daughter Maddie and her husband Trad were home for Easter. They were at St. Christopher meeting the moving truck that was unloading. Boo and I were moving into camp. You know I wasn't going to start the job until May. That was the week we had off to kind of get the house situated. And on that Wednesday, they are literally with the moving truck unloading furniture and starting to unload boxes in the kitchen first to put the things away like you do. Uh, I was in Fort Mill, and that's the day that the ruling came out that we had lost, at that point, 15 parishes and, um, and Camp St. Christopher. Uh, since that time, we've gotten back several of those parishes in the appeals process. Uh, we're at a point now where we're, we've lost about five or six. So there's still only there's still two in litigation, but I literally was taking my dad into the assisted living place, left my phone in the car, and when I came out, you know, sometimes you leave your phone in the car for 45 minutes, and sometimes you have four voicemails. Sometimes you have eight text messages. Sometimes you have 21. I left my car, phone in the car, and when I came out, I had, I had 19 voicemails, and I had 71 text messages. And it was in the car for like 45 minutes. I was like, oh, no. And so I started listening, and I heard the news, and I had to call Boo on the phone at camp, moving into the house that we have wanted to live in since we were 10 years old. And she said, do I keep unpacking boxes? And I said, no. No. That's probably Boo telling me that <laughs> this story is going too long. Anyway, we were blessed to be able to serve at camp. One of the things that the Episcopal Diocese, who won camp from the Anglican Diocese in the litigation, decided pretty early on, it was touch and go with Justin for a few weeks, but they decided pretty early that they were going to leave us there to run the summer camp program and to get the Bear Island Fall program started. And pretty quickly, within two or three weeks, a month we, of, of May 1st, we knew that, um, that we were going to be there until October 1st. And so that was kind of our cutoff date when we would have to vacate the premises and, and literally and figuratively turn over the keys, turn over the accounts, turn over the sailboats, move out of our homes. Um, I will have to say that the Episcopal Diocese was very gracious to us in that transition, uh, that every single person on our staff uh, was offered an opportunity if they wanted to, to remain there and to keep their jobs, uh, except for me. Um, I, 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 it's, I've realized today that I've only been fired twice in my life, and it was the first job I had when I was 16. I got fired, and I got fired the, the most recent job I had. <laughs> um, that's a different story, the first one. But anyway, um, Boo and I truly felt called to be at camp for this season, win, lose, or draw. Uh, 
we knew going into accepting this call that there was a very good chance we were going to lose Camp St. Christopher in the litigation. I knew in my heart we were. The Lord had kind of told us that I've got you. I'm with you through this. And your job is to, to be there for this transition, to, to shut that one down and to, to be with the people in the transition and to do what's next. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what happened uh, and, and, and with camp. Uh, people have asked me, what are they going to do at camp? And my answer is always the same. I do not know. I do not work there. What they have said they are planning to do at camp is continue to have a summer camp, continue to have a Barrier Island Environmental Education Program during the year, continue to run it and operate it as a conference center. Um, but I, I have no seat voice or vote there, so I don't know what the Lord's going to do with that, what they're going to do with that. All I can tell you is what we're going to do. And so that's where Justin and I are in. Justin actually was not fired, because uh, the only thing dumber than getting yourself fired is actually resigning from a job to go to a non-job. And that's what Justin did. Justin and his wife Katie have two young kids, and they sort of stepped out in faith and said, okay, we're going with y'all to help do what's next. So uh, y'all currently have in the room 100% uh, of the paid employees of Camp Jubilee, which is what's going to happen next. Uh, Justin is full-time. I'm part-time because I'm also doing clergy care uh, for Bishop Edgar and the diocese. Uh, and Anne Claire Billiard is working with us uh, as the assistant director. She's got our website up and running, and, uh, but she is currently not on the payroll yet. Good afternoon. So uh, as Ken said, my name is Justin, and uh, I want to share with you just a small, small snippet of my story at St. Christopher, and you'll see a lot of correlations between Ken's story as well. And, and uh, I know a lot of folks in this room, we, we share a similar story, and that is all based on uh, the community and the place that we have known as Camp St. Christopher in the summer camp ministry. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap up our time talking about why that needs to continue. But uh, I grew up in Charleston area. I met uh, my wife, Katie, when we were in high school. She grew up in Charleston as well. Uh, we dated throughout uh, high school and college. And then, um, like Ken, I ended up at St. Christopher right out of college to work as part of the Barrier Island staff uh, out at uh, St. Christopher. And um, that, that was a great season of life. I served as a naturalist, uh, was, was introduced to that community, uh, worked as assistant director there, helped develop an outdoor adventure program for them, and was having a blast, um, and then was eventually called to be the summer camp director, which I've served as for the last six summers out at Camp St. Christopher. Uh, and St. Christopher has a special place in my heart. Uh, one, it is uh, a place where uh, I have just met so many of y'all, so many people throughout our diocese. It's been a, it's been a home for us. Uh, it is where I also uh, proposed to my wife at St. Christopher, and so uh, we have a, a deep connection there. It's where we brought both of our children home from the hospital. Our son Samuel is six years old, and our daughter Audrey May is four, year old, four years old. And so uh, St. Christopher is the only home they've known. And uh, most importantly to me, uh, St. Christopher is special because that is where I've come to know Jesus. And so I grew up in the church. I grew up uh, going to church, but I grew up uh, in a faith 
uh, that was not rooted in the gospel. I actually grew up in a denomination that uh, I, I think is kind of funny now when I look back. It's actually an open communion with the Episcopal Church. And so very similar to kind of some of the stuff that we've been dealing with within the diocese. And when I got to St. Christopher, I quickly realized that something was different, that, that the people there uh, actually loved me and, and actually had a genuine interest in my life and, and being patient with me and, and teaching me and raising me up and encouraging me, um, I also realized very quickly that they had something I didn't have. And what I came to understand was that they had an actual knowledge of the truth of who Jesus Christ was, and, and they had the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord by his grace, he uh, allowed me to, to receive that as well. And so uh, St. Christopher just has a, a special place in my heart, uh, you know, the Lord used St. Christopher, not only in my life, but also to lead my wife uh, to know him as well as, as her Lord and Savior. And, and now we have two beautiful children who worship Jesus. I left the house this morning with my son making up a song about worshiping Jesus. And so uh, that, that is due credit um, to the work of ministry that the Lord has done through St. Christopher. So, uh, yeah, the last few summers at St. Christopher, it has been... Um, one of the greatest joys of my life to, to be summer camp director at St. Christopher. And uh, part of that is the, the transformation that happens out at summer camp is, is something that I have not seen anywhere else. And that's not to, that's not to elevate summer camp ministry above other ministries. It, it is simply one part of the body. But summer camp provides a, a unique opportunity for, for our students. Um, Summer camp is a place where they get to come and escape the, the chaos of the world, escape their iPhone, escape all, all that's going on. Summer place is a place that they get to come, and regardless if they're the star of the football team or if they're getting picked on at school or uh, anything in between the weight of life, they get a fresh start. Every child who comes to camp comes to camp with a fresh start. They, they're new. Everyone starts on equal playing field. And it's a place where they get to come and not only hear about the gospel and not only hear about the new creation that is promised to us, but it's a place where they actually get to live that out, where they get to experience that day in and day out. The other half of summer camp is, and honestly the part that deals most closely with my, my position, is working with our staff and with our counselors. So we, we are focused on sharing the good news of Jesus with our campers, but we are just as focused on raising up staff and counselors, but shaping them through discipleship. And um, y'all, the last few years of camp have just been tremendous. Um, uh, of the folks that the Lord has led to be a part of our, our team, uh, the work that the Lord has done in the hearts of folks who have been part of our team, and, and the way that the Lord has sent out our team um, into their colleges, into their local communities, uh, to continue the kingdom work uh, that is at camp. Uh, as Ken alluded to, the last few years have uh, involved some uh, multiple actual fires, believe it or not, and multiple fires. Uh, we've had a global pandemic. We've had uh, deep tragedy in our community. And, and the Lord has seen us through those uh, adversities. And the Lord has continued to grow and sanctify and shape us. And, uh, y'all, I'm, I'm so proud of our staff. You know, we, we have Mim sitting in here right now helping uh, to lead this parish. And, and, you know, what a great gift she's going to be and is. Um, to our diocese and to this parish. We have folks who are up at Clemson who are leading ministries that didn't exist two years ago because they got on fire for what the Lord was doing at camp and said, hey, I can, I can take this back to my college campus. We have folks up in Raleigh right now who are leading ministries with uh, underprivileged youth because of what they've experienced at camp and the leadership that they've fostered at camp. And so the Lord is taking what is happening at camp and sending it forward. 
Um, and I, I've been getting the question over and over again, like, there's so much going on in the diocese. Why bother with camp? Like, can't we just let this lie for a little bit? In a little while, we'll, we'll pick it back up. Like, why would we continue camp? And, and I, don't think we, I don't think we can not continue camp, right? I, I think what we're seeing is uh, that um, camp is the entryway for a lot of people into our diocese. It's true for me, right? I, I, I would not be here talking with you today if it was not for the ministry and the work of camp uh, that was before us. You know, camp, camp has proven over and over again to be the evangelical engine of our diocese in the way that we raise up leaders to go out and engage the world with the gospel. Uh, and camp is a gathering place, right? And, and whether that's a physical space or not, uh, it's a gathering place within community, right? We in this room, uh, even those of you in this room who I have not met personally, I would love to get to meet you personally, but even those in this room who I have not met personally, we are connected through this ministry that we, that we call camp ministry. And so uh, I, I'm excited, I'm thrilled uh, that we are, are continuing this ministry, that our diocese is stepping out in faith and saying, hey, this matters to us and this matters to the kingdom and we're, we're gonna move forward with that. Um, as Ken said, uh, Anne Claire Gilliard has been so gracious in volunteering her time with us. She's built a website for us. Uh, she is doing a lot of our administrative work behind the scenes with us right now. Uh, she's been on staff for the last six years, and a uh, real gift that she's going to be coming with us as part of our team uh, in this next season at Camp Jubilee. Um, and as, as we were working on Camp Jubilee, we just launched our website probably two or three weeks ago. We have social media kind of up and running, getting the word out. We're hoping to have a postcard in y'all's mailboxes hopefully next week. Um, and so we, we're getting stuff up and running and, and going. We're getting the word spread. I've been on the road uh, meeting with um, our staff and getting um, just having conversations with them and seeing where they are, and they are so excited to be coming with us. Uh, honestly, the problem I have right now is we have more staff who want to come with us and have spaces and beds to put them in. And so uh, we have a strong team coming with us. The so leadership in the community uh, is going to continue. Uh, we're working right now on developing uh, what the program is going to look like. There's going to be a lot of similarities. You know, we want to continue the DNA of what we know is summer camp ministry and our style of doing ministry, but there's is the opportunity to do some things that are new and fresh and exciting. And, you know, I've been telling people, like, we've basically been handed a blank canvas and a whole bunch of paint and told to go have fun. And, like, man, I can't wait. Like, that's going to be a blast. And so uh, we're, we're, we're developing those things. Uh, and this summer we're going to be hosting our program at two different locations. So the majority of the summer is going to be at Camp Kynard, which is just outside of Columbia. Uh, and uh, we're going to be there for about seven of our nine sessions. Uh, and then we'll be going up to Awanata Valley, which is actually up in the mountains. We're excited to be hosting two weeks of mountain camp uh, this summer uh, uh, up at Awanata Valley. And we've been able to cultivate, just in the short period of time since this past summer, we've been able to cultivate a great relationship uh, with those two organizations. And they're really excited to be partnering with us. And so, uh, yeah, we're just thrilled. We're excited for this next season of camp to see what the Lord is going to be doing. We're excited uh, for the fact that uh, we have a staff who's strong, who wants to follow us. Um, and we're excited to partner with the diocese. It's been uh, so encouraging to see how the Lord is already using people around us um, because this is not the, Jen and, uh, the Ken and Justin show. This is, this is the work of the Lord and his body raising up and reaching the next generation for the gospel. And so we're just excited to invite y'all into that as well.
currently happening, and we're excited about that. And the Lord is doing things, uh, as He said, beyond our abilities. Uh, and we truly believe uh, that God is going to do even greater things. I, I don't even want to just say we believe it. I want to say we just know it in our buttons. Um, that God is going to do greater things. Um, camp has been an important place and a significant ministry in our diocese for going on 90 years. Um, the earliest recollections that we have, we don't have any written history, but uh, sometime in the early, mid-1930s, uh, three Episcopal priests, uh, Moultrie Moore, who became Bishop Moultrie Moore, uh, Ed Hainsworth, who became Bishop Ed Hainsworth, Bishop of Nicaragua, and Ed's brother, Waitus Hainsworth, who was also a priest, three young priests in the 30s, got a group of boys in Mount Pleasant, and they loaded into two pickup trucks, and they put 15 kids, boys, in the back of one pickup truck. And they put tarps and tents and pots and pans and firewood in the back of the other pickup truck. And they drove to Edisto Beach. And in 1934, driving from Mount Pleasant to Edisto Beach was probably about like driving from here to like New York City. <laughs> uh, they went over not just the old bridge, but the old, old bridge when it was two ways. Uh, and, and drove to Edisto over dirt roads because they felt like the Lord had given them an idea and a vision that summer camping was important to reach the next generation with the gospel. Um, in 1938, the Morowitz family, because of connections to St. Michael's Church and St. Philip's Church, the Morowitz family uh, allowed those men to continue camping on Seabrook Beach, which was then undeveloped and was named after the Seabrook family. It was way before Kiowa, Seabrook, or anything out there. And eventually the Morowitz family donated the entire island that is now Seabrook to the Episcopal Diocese of South Carolina. But uh, it, was, it was three people and, and, and two trucks and a handful of kids. Uh, and that's how it started. Um, in the book of Genesis, brothers and sisters, Scripture tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The first words of Holy Scripture are about the fact that God made a place. A tangible, physical dwelling place for His people and for His creation. The very first words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the covenant with Abraham, later in the Gospel of Genesis, God reaffirms His promise that He made through earlier generations, that I will be your God and you will be my people. That relationship that Justin is talking about, coming into a personal relationship with the living God, he promises, I'll be your God, you'll be my people. He promises, I will give you a place and I will multiply your descendants. The Lord said to Abraham, Abram, before he changed his name to Abram in Genesis 12, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. He calls them to go to a place 
that he will show them in the future. He didn't call them to go to a place that existed. He didn't call them to go to a place that was established. He didn't call them to go to a place that they knew of. He called them to go to a place that I will, future tense, show you. Uh, Midsummer, when we knew for sure we were going to be leaving camp in October and that we felt called to do what was next, uh, I called Elizabeth Haygood, who was a longtime member of this parish and who was the former director of the Low Country Land Trust because I knew we were going to need some dirt. We wanted it to be in the Low Country. And I, contrary to popular opinion, do not own huge tracts of waterfront land <laughs> in the Ace Basin area. And I described to her the, the beauty of the place at St. Christopher and the kind of property we needed and the amount of property we needed. And I remember like it was yesterday, I'm going to tear up again. I said to her, I was talking to her on the phone because she was in the mountains and we couldn't get together face to face and it was too pressing. And I said, Elizabeth, I know that I'm asking you to help us find a unicorn. And there's just a pause. And she said, Ken, it is a unicorn. But I believe we can find one. She said, I know that God can do this. People have said to me over and over, to Justin over and over, do you think you can find a piece of property comparable to the piece of property at Camp St. Christopher? And the answer is unequivocally no. I know that we cannot do it. The only thing I know more strongly than the fact that we can't do it is I believe and know that God can. He has, He does. He moves mountains. He raises the dead, he can round us up 100 acres of dirt on water where we can sail and shrimp and fish and kayak and share the gospel with our children and our grandchildren, his children and his grandchildren. So friends, we have told you what's happened about leaving Camp St. Christopher. We've told you what's currently happening and we told you what's going to happen. We believe that God is going to put us with the right people for the right piece of property. We believe that God's going to bring the right people around the table uh, who have the amount of resources that's going to be that are going to be required to build, buy, purchase, beg, borrow, steal. <laughs> what is next? We believe that the Lord will continue to bless us in order to be a blessing. To others. That was the other part of that Abraham, the covenant with Abraham. It's, it's not just I'll bless you so you will be blessed. It's I'll bless you so you can go out into the world to be a blessing. I will bless you to be a blessing. Friends, we are through God's might going to find uh, this unicorn. And we are going to develop it. We're going to build buildings. And we're going to have camp there. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know how long it's going to be. We have some great fellow Christians at places like Awanata Valley and Camp Kiner that are going to allow us to continue to do camp in the interim. Just as some of our friends in the diocese are doing church in gymnasiums, in old shopping centers, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Presbyterian churches of their neighbors and friends. Um, we're going to need lots of help. Prayers, 
your financial health, your spiritual and physical gifts, to look for it. We're going to need lots of help to acquire it, and we're going to need lots of help to equip it with buildings and sewage and water and sailboats and chairs and tables and a kitchen once we find it. But we trust that the Lord can do this work. We are going to need lots of help today getting Camp Jubilee up and running. Um, finding the resources to sustain that ministry for two years, four years, eight years, however long it is until God shows us the place. But we believe that God is doing this work and we are, Justin and I and Anne Claire and countless others, excited to be alone for the ride. Uh, I did not realize this until this morning, uh, and, uh, and it's just a God thing, as all things are when you're really paying attention. Uh, Camp St. Christopher started almost 90 years ago with three people, two trucks, a handful of kids, and an idea to take some kids out in the woods to share the gospel. This coming summer, beginning right now, today, literally, Camp Jubilee is going to be starting with three people, two trucks, and we're expecting about 600 kids and about 20 or 30 staff members and, and 50 or 60 counselors uh, and a vision to continue to share the gospel and to build a community where kids can love the Lord and where kids are called to love each other. Um, God can do this thing. We cannot. Uh, we trust that God will. Uh, and speaking for myself and for Justin and for Anne Claire and for countless others, uh, we are excited to see uh, what God will do next. We are eager to see where we are going. We are working hard, trusting God, and we are making preparations. I want you to hear that. We are working hard. We are trusting God and we are making preparations to go to the new land that we know God will show us. So I thank you for your time. Uh, it is great uh, to be at St. Philip's Church. Uh, I am so excited that my daughter is working here. I can't hardly stand it. Um, Justin and I are going to hang around for as long as you want. Uh, Mims and lots of people in this room have our contact information. We'd love to answer any questions you have in the future, even today if you have questions. Uh, we need your help. Um, my charge to you is to go and pray about what the Lord has put on your heart to do for this next season of camp ministry uh, in the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina. Uh, it is important. Uh, and, and we believe it's what God has called us to do. So, thank you so much for your time. Okay, I'll take as many questions as you want. I'm actually at work today. Um, um, yes. Just, 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 just want to donate. Where do you go? 
Okay, if you would like to make a financial contribution, we would welcome that. Uh, you can go to our website and figure out how to do it. The easiest way to do that is to go to uh, either the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina's website or to write a check if you, if there's some of you here that are as old as I am and you actually know what a check is. My daughter doesn't understand what that word means. But to, you can write a check to the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina and in the memo line, if you write Camp Jubilee or if you write Camp Development, it will get into the right pot. Our finances are tied in with their. Uh, one of the things that we are asking specifically for uh, right now is we're asking specifically for donations um, to, to buy those two trucks. We don't have the two trucks. We just <laughs> Uh, Justin is currently driving his mother-in-law's 1991 Honda Accord. I am driving a 1989 Toyota Land Cruiser that nine years ago got 10.1 miles to the gallon and I vowed I would never check the mileage again. And, and we, Justin needs a pickup truck that's a crew cab that he can drive around the diocese to tell this story to people that he can hook kayaks and a trailer to the back of to haul our stuff to Camp Jubilee and places. I need uh, another truck that I can drive around the diocese to tell the story and then I can haul things and kids back and forth to camp. Um, but there, if you would like to give money, we are ready, willing, able to receive uh, those donations. We already have had several churches that are partnering with us. Uh, a real specific thing that I would love to invite St. Phillips as a congregation, the, this is the first invite, is this coming summer, uh, as Justin just said, we have more uh, summer staff members than we have spaces for. Uh, that's what Justin says, I'm going to try to find spaces for them. Uh, we pay on average, we average it out, a summer staff member makes about $3,000 to $3,500 for working in the summer. And we're asking individual people or individual congregations to say, hey, we'd love to sponsor a summer staff member for the summer and pay their salary. Because at camp, we didn't have to write checks to camp. Like our biggest expense this summer is we have to pay Camp Kiner in Columbia and we have to pay Iwanatow Valley to use their facilities because we don't own them and, and we don't have the steady stream of income from Barrier Island, from the Conference Center, from all the things that has kept Kent St. Christopher financially kind of in the black for, for the past years. And so, um, yeah, we would, we would welcome those contributions. Are there any other questions that, that I can answer? I'm happy. I'm, I'll talk all day. Yes, ma'am. I just have one probably very elementary Yeah, we, we've got the Camp Kiner was not, a, they rent their property out to church groups, school groups, summer campers, and we were only able to get seven weeks there. And we are going to, we needed two more weeks, and so we could get a lot of time out. Those will not run concurrently, so we'll be at Camp Kiner for seven weeks. We'll have a couple of weeks in the middle of the summer where we're actually off. And we're going to allow our staff to do vacations with their families and stuff, which we've never done. But so it'll be our program, Camp Jubilee, hosted by Camp Kynard in Columbia. It's actually in Batesburg, Leesville, about 15 minutes due west of Columbia as you're going out I-20 towards Augusta. Um, 
The ironic thing is Columbia seems like it's a million miles away, but if you're driving from Mount Pleasant at the wrong time of day to Seabrook Island, you can get to Columbia in about 11 minutes longer than it takes you to get to Seabrook Island. It's not that far, it's an easy trip, um, and, and so that's where we're hosting the program at those two places. And the North Carolina one is where? What's it near? It, it's actually in South Carolina. It's, it's probably five miles south of the border. Kind of up above Clemson in that corner of the state, right near the South Carolina, North Carolina border. It's called a Wanata Valley. Okay, thank you. What's the name of the camp? Is a Wanata Valley. A Wanata Valley. Yes, ma'am. A Wanata Valley is where one of the places where I came close to Christ. I was raised in Columbia, and through John Yates' ministry back then, we went to a Wanata. It's a young life camp. It's a tremendous place. It's unbelievable. It is. When I got called to St. Phillips 800 years ago, uh, I had been a youth minister before going to seminary, and, and one of my first jobs that I was sort of given was to, to find a youth minister for uh, St. Phillips Church, and that I was going to call to do it until I found one. And, and, and that fall, I had been here just a few minutes out of seminary, I, I got to take John Williams and other reprobates when they were in middle school to Awanata Valley. And, uh, and, and John and I are friends. We are, we are friends. It was at Awanata, wasn't it? And we are friends to this day. And I love him with every fiber of my being. But as a middle school kid, he confirmed that I needed to redouble my efforts to find the youth minister sooner rather than later. With Hugo. With Hugo. Yes. But, but, it's, but, but to be here talking to you all specifically about this uh, at St. Philip's where uh, Boo and I got to begin our ordained ministry is just it's unbelievable, the connections. And, and that's something like finding uh, a, a $5 million piece of waterfront property that we can't do. God has to put these things together. Um, and we believe that He has, we believe that He is currently, and we know in our hearts that He will in the future. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Um, kind of fits with you, your wife helped deliver my daughter. Now, I'm hoping is now old enough to be a counselor. At what age are you accepting? Yeah, so if they're 16 by the summer and they're able to be a counselor, we're going to have those applications that are for the next two weeks. And those are volunteer positions. Our summer staff are either, usually, by and large, college, current college students or college-age students. Some of them are not in college, but and, 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 and some are a few years out of college. And, and those are paid, paid positions depending on the level of seniority and responsibility as, as summer staff member. Um, yeah. How many of you all in this room, either personally, yourself, or, or have a family member who was directly impacted in some way uh, in your faith life was, was challenged, grown by the ministry of St. Christopher Camp and Conference Center. Yeah. Happening. It was a big, t I mean, it's happening. Does it go on anymore? Like yeah, I think, I, mean, I think happening is still happening in some places. They may have changed the name. Um, I... I one of the things that was right outside of my office uh, at St. Christopher for the 10 minutes I was the executive director, um, wrapped in paper was a piece of a mural 
that Catherine Jones painted when she was a junior or a senior in high school. There was a group of girls that stayed up all night and painted this mural. And, and over the years, it was hanging up in the chapel, nailed up. And over the years, it got torn. And and, just, and the part that was left is, is two girls. Uh, one girl's asleep. There's a bunk bed in the cabin. One girl's asleep on the bunk. The other girl's kneeling down praying. And in the corner, there's an angel looking over them. And we say that. And it was something that Bob Lawrence actually ran into the dining hall uh, the, the, during and right after and rescued from the fires. Justin said we had two literal fires, not just putting fires out. I mean, they were putting fires out. And, and so it, it's real. And, and it, it matters. And, and it's awesome. Did y'all get to take it? I don't. I did not take that. I did not take that. If anybody asks, I didn't take anything. If there were some items that pulled their feet up and wandered into my car on the way out, I can't speak to that. Um, we do have some things uh, from there. Uh, we, we have some things that were donated to individuals that weren't owned by the camp. Uh, part of the big negotiation that involved 30 churches in the lawsuit uh, was that we realized that camp, we gave them everything. Uh, also, Justin and I are operating with no vehicles. We need a trailer. We need three trailers. We need two kayak trailers and a box trailer. We realized we didn't want to store sailboats and kayaks and all the things for three years, five years, we said God's going to give us those back. Um, and, and like I said, the Episcopal Church was very gracious with us, with Justin and I can't speak for other things. Um, but, 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 yeah. Any other questions? Happy to answer. Justin's happy to answer. Mims can answer a lot of questions because she was on staff this summer and she's heard me sing this song and tell this story a hundred times already. Yes, ma'am. I wonder how one can apply Yeah, it, it depends. The weeks are depending on the age of the child. Um, we'll we'll get we'll get our information to the people at St. Phillips, and they can put it out on the website or on a mailing that has an email address. And there'll be mail cards that are in this church that have phone numbers, email addresses for Justin. If you go to the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina, Justin and I are both on the Diocesan website and on the Camp Jubilee website where you can connect and do. Um, and, and again, we're having sessions for, for little kids as young as second grade, third grade, all the way up to high school kids. And the, the, the week that we have it is depending on the age of the kids and stuff. And I, yeah. And I was going to say, I will say, um, Registration will begin on January 9th at 9 a.m. Uh, and y'all are eligible as members of the Anglican Class of South Carolina and the ACNA. Uh, y'all are eligible for early registration. So if you see early registration, know that that is for y'all. And um, y'all are welcome to register. Yeah, welcome to you. One more thing. Yeah. So Grand Camp was um, was not part of our program. The diocese hosted that, and then we at St. Christopher just provided space for Grand Camp, but we didn't actually put on the program. Um, and so I don't know the answer to that question. I can follow up with someone within the diocese and see if they're willing to do that. But that, that would be separate from us. And Ken, yes, I'll say that the um, children's ministry department at the 
we were hoping to have some physical things to put in your hands today, a couple of brochures, uh, information sheet, a registration card. Those things are coming, and once we have those things, we're going to put them in envelopes, and we're going to send them to you and make color copies, and so you're going to be able, we're getting the word out. Um, as I said, there's only, um, who's making fun of me? We're making color copies. We're making color copies. And by we, I mean someone who knows how packing machines work. If you're old enough to know what a mimeograph machine is and how good the purple ink smells, you're my friend. Yeah. Any other questions? We're going to hang out for a while. We're happy to talk. Um, I really do. I want to thank y'all for having me. I want to thank Caroline for the invitation to be here to speak. Um, we, Justin and I, are happy to be anywhere, anytime, for any group, large or small, uh, to tell this story and to talk about what our needs are. We can do it in an hour. We can do it in five minutes. We can cater it to what you want. This is, this is what we're currently being paid by the diocese to do, and, and we're excited to see uh, what God's going to do next. So thank y'all again. Yeah.